Yo, grace and peace, guys. Welcome to another episode of All Things Theology, where I'm your host, K-Dub. And man, we have an exciting one tonight. A lot of you guys were very eager, very excited when I told about the possibility of having a discussion with Reverend Jermaine Marshall. Um, I reached out to him after. Well, first, let me say this. A lot of you guys saw the conversation on the Unbelievable podcast with um, Owen Strawn. Uh, Pastor Owen Strawn. Hope I'm pronouncing the name correct correctly. Nevertheless, uh, many people were like, wow, you know, they had some concerns. They had some concerns about some things that were said. So I reached out to Reverend Jermaine Marshall and I said, hey, would you like to come on, address, uh, address some of those things and allow me to have some questions for you? And he was more than willing, which I was very thankful for. I think even some people saw they were like, wow, that's they were actually very thankful that he was willing. And so first off, let me start off with saying that uh, um, before I introduce him, that I am very thankful that someone would come and quote unquote, put themselves on the hot seat and uh, allow to be engaged. So without further ado, guys, let me introduce you guys to the one, the only <laughs> Reverend Jermaine, man, how are you doing? Uh, uh, good evening, Chris, and the audience, podcast audience. Um, I don't really do podcasts, so this is this is new for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the first time I've been on one. So okay, cool. You all be as kind as you can be. But good after, good evening, good um, good be good be here. Um, thank you for um, let me say thank you for um, reaching out. Yes, and um, and and being interested. And um, I didn't say near as much as I should have said. Um, in the um discussion with Owen. Um but nevertheless, uh thank you for being interested and wanting to know more of where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um even um in I'm sure disagreeing with some of the stuff I said. So yeah. thank you. Thank no you. problem, man. Uh so so before we get kinda into the meat of our discussion, why don't you just tell the people um a little about yourself, uh where you teach. I know uh, you know, you, you told me behind the scenes you were a professor. Why, why don't you just kind of start sure. off with that? Sure. Um, well, I'm Jermaine Marshall. Um, I um, have a Master of Divinity, a Master of Theology, and a um, Doctorate of Philosophy, a PhD. My, my, my area is actually historical theology. My area is, is not biblical theology, and I am a pastor. Uh, so, obviously, I do preach and teach every week, and had been doing, I've been pastoring now, 16 years so you know i did i didn't just start yesterday yes so i've been doing it for for, for a little while and um so um but I, again i'm not a biblical scholar my my degree is in historical theology right so what i do is i uh, uh examine how theology has developed um throughout the history of the christian church right from its inception to today Correct. So that's what I do. Okay. Okay. So, so, uh, you know, I'm not claiming to have a special biblical authority or nothing like that. Absolutely. I don't, I don't <laughs> Absolutely. So. No, no one has that, you know. And so, I, I, I would be in full agreement with you there that uh, if anyone's claiming that, it's it's only God, you know. So, um, so you know. but but yeah, uh, yeah. Before I get into it, those who are watching this video, make sure you like it. If you are not subscribed, make sure to subscribe to the channel. And if always, if you have any questions, make sure to leave it in the chat, leave it in the comment, and feel free to email me in the description below. 
let's get into let's let's just get right into it. We've got the pleasantries out the way. Um, I feel like we feel like there's a good foundation to start, you know, um, having what I call the barbershop kind of style conversation that I would like to have. <laughs> I, I hope you I hope you thought that would be uh, humorous and kind of like good when I said that. Well, the email. You know, in the, in the black community, the barbershop is the best place. Now, I hadn't been in, as you can see, in a while. Since yeah. COVID, but, but I'm still good. For it, bro. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Well, I, I like to get mine about every three, four weeks, you yeah, know, yeah. but I used to go every two, but I just yeah. hadn't. <laughs> no problem man but so so i, I want to uh quote something that caused a lot of people concern and 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 you know just to be candid and honest with you it caused myself concern and i, I just want to get into kind of a, a dialogue about this per, per se sure. so on the unbelievable podcast with uh justin briarley i believe that's how you pronounce his name mm-hmm. around the 65 minute mark 49 second I, I went back yes t- uh, yesterday and I was like, I wanted to get direct quotes because I didn't want to misrepresent you. I think it's very important to represent people correctly. Nevertheless, I'm going to quote the full quote and we can got to get into it. So the quote is this. It's the scandal. The Protestant reformers do not recover the gospel of Jesus Christ. They recover Pauline theology. And let me say this. I love Jesus. I tolerate Paul. I approach Paul with a hermeneutic of suspicion. I love Jesus. I love the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that is a verbatim quote of you. And so let, let, let me just say this before we uh, tell us about this, because, you know, people got concerns, man. <laughs> so, so, so why don't you yeah, explain I, what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, as you know, I'm not on social media. You didn't find me on social media. Correct. And so I'm really not concerned about. I know there's trolls on social media, and and I know some folks that condemn me to hell, and and God bless them. Yeah. <laughs> I saw somebody said I was lost, and God bless them, and God bless them. I, and my first thought was, well, that's that's part of my point. It's like, folks, you know, are you being for, and Paul is 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 Jesus the savior? Is Paul the savior? And, and so let let me be clear. Um, I meant exactly what I said. Okay. But let me kind of unpack what I mean. Absolutely. I'll, yeah, let, take let the time that you need to do let that. Me, Absolutely. Let me unpack what I mean. Now, now obviously, uh, I probably don't fall within what is considered biblical inerrancy. Okay? Because okay. otherwise, I probably wouldn't have made that statement. <laughs> okay? I do believe the scriptures are inspired. All right? But not um, inerrant. But I, but I wouldn't put inspiration and, 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 and inerrancy in the same category. Okay. I wouldn't put it in the same category. Um, and, and I'm not, I don't think Paul is all bad. Please don't, I mean, I'm a pastor. I, I teach from Paul. I preach from Paul. Um, Pauline um, epistles. And now I don't want to get into Bart Ehrman, but, you know, you know, you start getting into uh, authentic, undisputed Pauline epistles and, and Deutero, Deutero Pauline epistles, the disputed, and I, I'm not a biblical scholar, so we don't we don't need. Okay. You probably way more versed in that than I am. Okay. I have but some great I, resources on uh <laughs> the the canon of scripture. By the way, this is yeah. excellent. So, but yeah, go ahead. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Kruger. That's that's crossway. Yeah. But but um, what I meant by that is when I talk about a hermeneutic of suspicion, a hermeneutic of suspicion is is something in biblical interpretation where you recognize that there are certain um, dominant forms and conclusions in biblical interpretation 
that may be serving to reinforce um, agendas of dominance and control and and power. Mm-hmm. Um, now I know I know you gonna we go probably get into this whole Marxist oppress oppressor versus oh, that kind of stuff. Um, but that's what I mean by hermeneutical suspicion is 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 being suspicious about what's being said in the biblical text and who said it. And so when I look at Paul, when I look at the history of, of who we call Paul, who was formerly named Saul, right. and and his persecution of Christians, mm-hmm. I mean, you know the history. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think about how, not necessarily Paul himself, but how unfortunately people who have claimed Christianity as their faith, how they ha- have utilized Pauline theology in the Pauline epistles, what they what they interpret in Paul, how they have interpreted Paul, in order to oppress others. That's what I mean by I'm you. I use a hermeneutic of suspicion, and the reason I say I love Jesus because I do, <laughs> and I tolerate Paul, is because for me, um, for example, the Book of Romans. It's Paul's gospel, all right? Now, I'm not, I'm, it's Paul's gospel. Right. So for me, if there's a question between something Jesus said that's reported in what we know as the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and something Paul has said, you know, then obviously I'm going to go with Jesus. Let me give some, some specific examples here. Um, Pauline, Pauline, um, Something Owen said, and and I and I was just, I was trying to hold as much restraint back. He he's a great debater. He won that debate too. I'm not gonna kid you. He won that debate, and I give him that. Obviously, we and and I and I, I do respect that he has a burden, um, for for the community he serves, for the church he serves, and I equally have a burden as well. Right. And and we have some fundamental from fundamental disagreements, um, about the gospel as you saw, and about some other things. Um, but one thing we that that um, he said was to me was you can't just tolerate Paul because Paul is 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 how you get the abolitionist movement. But that's not true. Well, what, 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 what are you saying was he was one of the main influencers because, you know, Paul state, like if you can get your freedom, you should. And so that was a, a text that heavily uh, involved the abolitionist movement to say, hey, slaves should not be enslaved, you know, well, was one of Paul's writings. You know what I'm saying? Well, but see, the problem is, and this is what I mean when I say a hermeneutical suspicion, because it, 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 then, then it seems like Paul is speaking out of both ends of his mouth, because, yes, this is the Paul that says, in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, right. and in Christ there's neither slave nor free, nor free mm-hmm. you know. But this is also the same Paul um, who says slaves obey your master? Yeah, and and and, and this is the Paul um, that pro-slavery theologians utilize mm-hmm. to defend the institution of slavery. Not, I don't, I don't not, not only that, Jermaine, they actually use Jesus' writings. Well, I... <laughs> so 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 here's here's kind of what I would I would press back or challenge sure. you with. Um, if you're going to say, well, because people misuse Paul or use 
use Paul to uh, argue for atrocious things like slavery, which we both would say is evil, uh, right? Um, no doubt about that. Well, then I think you would have to equally be suspect of Jesus because he's been used in in bad ways as well. Uh, and, and when we say Jesus, we, uh, that which was written about in Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. And so I, I would obviously disagree that Paul is uh, promoting slavery when he says slaves obey your master. Rather, uh, the context there, which we can get into if you want, but nevertheless, I'm, I'm, I mainly want to challenge this idea of, well, if, you know, Paul was used for something evil, then, I mean, people have used Jesus' words for evil. Oh, for no evil, question about you know? it. I mean, the Ku Klux Klan, they, uh, you know, claim they're a Christian organization. Right. So, so, uh, no so, so, so by and that, then, so let, let me ask this and then I'll allow you time sure, to answer. Sure, sure, sure. So by that standard, why do you not, why are you not suspicious about Jesus? Well, I'm not suspicious about Jesus. Let's okay. be clear. Okay. I, I, I hear <laughs> your not. answer and good. And, and we and we also have to be clear in in that same hermeneutic of suspicion um, that even the gospel writers, each gospel writer has a has an agenda. I, I mean, you look at Mark. Mark uh, Mark is writing to Gentile Christians. You look at Matthew. Matthew is writing to Jewish Christians. You look at by, Luke, by by agenda you mean purpose, right? Like they have a different purpose. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, when I say agenda, I mean you know. They, when, they, when I hear agenda, they, I hear something like negative. Like, well, no. I'm okay, not, okay. No, I'm just I'm, I'm just making sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but okay. but I mean, let's look at Mark Matthew for example, and I'm just giving a specific example. You look at the woman whose 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 daughter was demon possessed. Mm-hmm. Matthew calls her a Canaanite woman. Mm-hmm. Mark calls her a Syrophoenician woman two completely different uh, for lack of better words ethnicities okay a Canaanite and Syrophoenician are completely different they're talking about the same woman the writer in Matthew wants to make it very clear that this woman is the enemy because we know from the Old Testament that the Canaanites are the enemies of the Israelites so to speak the Hebrews Mark doesn't necessarily want to, you know, he's not writing to Jewish Christians. He's writing to Gentile Christians. So he's not so much concerned with that whole thing. So you look in, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus, you know, he says to the woman, um, I've only come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Mm-hmm. All right. And then he says, it's not right for me to give the children bread to dogs. Now, I'm sure you are way more immersed in this than I am. In Mark, I don't think Jesus says, I've only come for the lost sheet of the house of Israel. The writer in Mark doesn't record that. Same story, just a different telling of the story. Now, the interesting thing in Matthew's gospel is by the end of the gospel, this same Jesus is saying, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. So something has happened there. The only point I'm making is, is when you look at even the gospels, the gospel writers present Jesus. It, it, I mean, there's some, there's obviously similarities, but in a sense, there's also some differences. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. so, yeah. So, um, uh, my approach to the point I make about Paul, and I talk about his hermeneutical suspicion, and and I get your point. You, the standard you you are saying, uh, the point you're making. I'm approaching this more from a theological perspective. And 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 
it, notice, and you repeat, you, um, I think you quoted me directly. I preface my statement to say what the Protestant reformers recover is Pauline theology, not, not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is this. What Luke, Martin Luther really, his doctrine of justification is based on his interpretation of Romans. Mm -hmm. And as I said before, we know Romans is Paul's gospel. It's like his magnum, my, magnum opus on the yes, gospel. Yes, you know. yes, yes. And, and so for me, um, because Paul, Paul unfortunately has been used to oppress people. And I, I'll give you an example um, from, um, I don't know how familiar you are with Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman was the lawyer, a, right? Um, no. Oh, no, sorry, I'm thinking no, Thurman Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, yeah, sorry. No, Howard Thurman was a um, African American mystic. Okay. He, in fact, Thurman wrote the book Jesus and the Disinherited, which mm -hmm. Martin Luther King, the two books he traveled with all the time was the Holy Bible and Jesus and the Disinherited mm -hmm. during, during the Civil Rights Movement. Mm -hmm. So Howard Thurman tells the story of his grandmother, whose name was Nancy Ambrose. Nancy Ambrose. Um, had been enslaved. I'm from the state of Florida. Uh, in my home state, she had been enslaved in Madison, Florida, on a plantation, and was freed um, after the Civil War, but was but was enslaved. And of course, she didn't know how to read or write. But Howard Thurman, her grandson, could read and write. So his so his responsibility every day was to read scripture to her. All right. Mm -hmm. She would never allow him to read anything from Paul. Now, of course, I'm not going to that extreme, <laughs> but I understand why she wouldn't let him read anything from Paul. This is why she said, I think the only thing she would let him read from Paul occasionally, he says, that she would let him read the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. 13. But she didn't want to hear anything else from Paul. And the reason she didn't want to hear anything from Paul, because the the white preachers on the slave plantation, the slaveholder preacher, would always preach Pauline texts um, in order to justify her enslavement, such as slave, obey your master. And she always remembered that these texts that were being used to justify her oppression, that the preacher would always say, Paul said, Paul says. And, and so... I tell that story um, just to kind of give an idea of why I say I, I'm going to approach Paul with the hermeneutic of suspicion. Um, and, and it's not just slavery. I mean, Paul has been used to to devalue and dehumanize and subjugate and subordinate women to men. In the in the church, in the home, in the workplace. And, and so, I, I mean, that's that, that you know, I, I mean, and I know you know this stuff because you, I can tell you, you just as well read as I am. But you know, we, you know, I don't want to get into the textual stuff because I'm not a biblical scholar. But I mean, yeah. you know, Paul is is saying, you know, there's a, there's an obvious contradiction in Corinthians. I mean, you know, in one place, in in First Corinthians eleven. A woman, if she shouldn't prophesy with a with a head covered, then in, in chapter fourteen, 
a woman should not speak. Do I got that back? Is it backwards? Do I have that backwards? And one text is saying she shouldn't speak at all. And the other text is saying um, that when she speaks, uh, she prophesied, which means to speak, mm-hmm. she should have her head covered. And then, of course, you know, in the epistle of Timothy, um, in the pastoral epistle, um, in Timothy, was it First Timothy 2, um, um, it says women should not should be silent and 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 have no authority over men. Correct. Yeah. The con- oh. the context is that of the local church and what many people have concluded. And I, I make the same conclusion is that um, about women pastors. But I, I do want to ask something because you said something that sure. for for me and many of my listeners will will mm-hmm. make our heads explode, you know, so to speak. Oh, Lord, what I said. <laughs> but, you know, uh, so so you, just you, don't condemn me to hell. Bro. Yeah, I, I got you. I got you. So so I, I, I just want to talk about it. I'll leave that to the Lord. And so. um you stated there that you believe there is an obvious uh, contradiction in, 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 in the Bible, uh, uh, sp- specifically Paul. There's either a contradiction or there's two different writers. I mean, because or can't, you can't have it both ways. Could it be there's a misunderstanding? <laughs> I think there's a third option. But nevertheless, I want to ask this question. Uh, sure, you, sure, you, sure. you can think about that some other time. But sure. if if we believe that the that the Bible is inspired of God, correct? We believe that the the Bible uh, is inspired of God. Do you believe that the writings of Paul are inspired of God? I know you, I know you said I'm, not inerrant. I'm, I'm fully, okay. I'm fully for biblical inspiration. Okay. Yes, I, so no I yeah. think, I believe that inerrancy is the logical conclusion and outworkings of inspiration. If we hold that God has inspired these writings, how can we then say thus it's full of error? Unless we believe our, our God is, full of error well no, i didn't say it was full no, of error i, but, um, I mean but, errors at but all I'm, but well so so I'm, how I'm not, in, I'm not in error but, right but so so how do you how, sure you know. how do you reconcile those two beliefs that's that's also ultimately what i'm like trying to press and, and well, get at well for me um i i think we have to be very very cautious because um and i'm not obviously i don't think this about you but I do think some people commit what I call the sin of bibliolatry. And, 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 and what that means is they make the Bible an idol. Hmm. And, and I think people have, unfortunately, some people, not all people, some people have, have unfortunately um, fallen into the abyss of worshiping the book as opposed to the God of the book. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, and to the place that I think people, as I said, are deifying Paul, you know, they have made a, made, I, you know, they, they, they've made a God out of Paul. I mean, I got, you got people talking about I'm lost. Cause I said something about Paul and I'm saying, is Paul Jesus? I, I, so, so to be fair, I think here's where maybe, mm-hmm. because here's, here's where I think many people are coming from. It's not mm-hmm. Paul they're deifying. It's 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 that the they believe that Paul wrote inspired words of God, and so it it as if God wrote it himself. I mean that's that's what Second Corinthians, uh, uh, sorry, Second Timothy three sixteen talks about that the the word that we possess, the word that was uh, literally written is is literally God breathed. Like that is the source, and so when we quote Paul, uh, 
Timothy. I mean, you pick any scripture writer you want. It's it's we're going to um, quote it as if God said it, because that's that's the claim. Not I mean, you can yeah. you can remove Paul yeah. out of the way yeah. at but, the end of the day. Even, I'm sorry for interrupting you. No, you're good. Uh, but but even Paul challenges that notion. Um, Chris, he, when, he and, says, and look at first Corinthians. Look at first Corinthians, chapter seven. First okay. Corinthians, chapter seven, uh, uh, which is uh, my least favorite scripture is seven and one where it says it's not good for men to touch a woman. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, but 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 if you look at that text and you know that text well, yep, it, it's about verse six. Uh, correct. It's about marriage. It's about um, um, celibacy, all that. You know, um, and, and and Paul says at least three times. And if I'm wrong, you correct me because mm-hmm. you probably know better than me. He says it three times. I do not say this of command. Mm-hmm. I do not say this of command. So when people walk around talking about what what the God said is better to marry than to burn, God did not say that. Paul said it, and he clearly states. And, and by the way, he's not talking about hell. He's talking about burning in your loins with lust. He's not talking about hell. But but he clearly states at least three times in that chapter alone, I do not say this of command. Now, my interpretation of that is I'm letting you know. God didn't tell me to say this. This is my opinion. And I'm very clear that when we're doing biblical interpretation. Um, yes, of course, we pray and ask, ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. And, and, and a part of that is being intentional that we discern in biblical interpretation, in our hermeneutics, what God has said and where somebody, someone, some human who, yes, may be inspired in some area, in, in most areas, but where some human may have um you know, come in themselves and say, well, this is my opinion. This okay. is what I think. So, so, so given, given that's your, um, your perspective, how do you know the difference between that, which is, uh, breathed out by God and, and opinion? How, 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 so, so ultimately, well, how do you, de- well, for, how do you decipher that? Like what's your ultimate objective standard? Well, for me, I just gave the best example. That's the best example I can give. Um, uh, for me, I'm, and what was that? I, I I guess I missed it. The example of, of of Paul saying, "I do not say this of command." Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I get that. So so what I'm asking yeah. is, how do sure. so how do you know the difference between um an opinion? So how do you know love thy neighbor is not an opinion or or is an opinion and not something derived from God? Ultimately, is what I'm like. So so I'm getting very practical. Like mm-hmm, sure, every sure, every sure, scripture sure. verse you want to bring up, how do you know it's just not an opinion of man and not from God, given your hermeneutic? Well, it would depend on your hermeneutic, and that's, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I, it would depend on your hermeneutic. It would depend on your hermeneutic. Now, you know, uh, you just quoted, "Love thy neighbor as thyself." Yeah. Okay. Now we get that. Um, see Matthew's gospel. And it's the red letter, so it's Jesus. <laughs> but it's actually it's actually a quote from uh, Leviticus 19, I believe. That's 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 where love thy neighbor is. So so how do we know that's not a opinion? And I shouldn't actually hate my neighbor. I, I know it sounds strange, but I'm challenge I'm challenging the hermeneutic of suspicion. <laughs> you know, to use your language, which mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. how do how do we uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how do we not? Mm-hmm. 
you know, you know what well, I'm saying? I, I would say this. Let me say it like this. And I'm not even suggesting using a hermeneutic suspicion with every text. But why not? Every... Mm. <laughs> what? Like why? What? Throw it all under I, the bus. At that, <laughs> I, I don't think. I don't think some text calls for hermeneutic suspicion. When when I say hermeneutic suspicion, I, I'm talking about texts that have, unfortunately, historically and traditionally, being used to oppress people. I don't know. I don't. I don't know any verse that really hasn't. I mean, you can go to Moses's writings. You can go to Jesus. Where mm -hmm. he, I, I, I'll tell you one, one, one text from mm -hmm. Jesus words himself, where he mm -hmm. tells um, to cut your hand off if you know your your mm -hmm. your hand causes oh, you yeah. to sin. Yeah. There oh, have yeah. been literal yeah. people who who literally have done that. And oh, plucked I, their I, you go to you you go to Saudi Arabia, yeah, you, and you steal something. It's gonna happen. Exactly. And <laughs> so so, no, so, I'm, so I'm, I'm completely with you on that. So brother. so so given <laughs> that given. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I told we were total agreement on this point that yeah. many texts have been using, but given that oh, yeah. it's been no used, misused, why shouldn't we actually approach Jesus with a hermeneutic of suspicion? Well, I'll say this: in some cases, you probably could, depending on what text we're talking about. Yeah, depending on what text no! we're talking about. Yeah, you probably could. Uh, uh, you probably could. This is the thing. This this is the thing. <laughs> I know I didn't send you into shock ways. <laughs> hey, I'm a lot more uh, care, uh, more passionate, or I guess uh, more emotional than than Owen. Because <laughs> when you would have said that Paul thing, he he just did the. I would have fell out my chair. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want to give you a heart attack. No, that's. <laughs> I don't want to give you a heart attack. I, I want um, you to respond to that, and then I want to bring again, something up. But again, it's kind of like what I said earlier about the different um the different writers having different agendas mm -hmm. and we also have the reality of scribal errors in these translations mm -hmm. you know now again i'm not a I, I, you know you know you probably debate me to debate me up the street like owen did on that because i'm not a <laughs> biblical scholar I'll... but i do know there's a reality of, of scribal errors when people are making translations. Yeah, I, 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 and I would agree. You know, we have textual variants, yeah. but I would even yeah. I would encourage anybody who is not familiar with the uh, textual variants discussion. Um, I had a discussion probably like two weeks ago with a former pastor, and this is actually one of the strongest reasons for the uh, authenticity of the text and the translations we do have. But I, I want to actually shift the conversation just sure. a little bit because uh, sure. sure. you brought up something about Jesus. And um, I was listening to something you said uh, very recently. I think it was posted on the church's Facebook page. Uh, oh, oh, boy. You've been, <laughs> oh, Lord. I, I'm in trouble for real. y'all. I, I do my research, <laughs> man. I do my research. <laughs> You'd have been in some of my sermons. I'm really in trouble. <laughs> but no, you were you were given a speech. It, I mean, it was a podium outside and there were some other gentlemen in suits. I think oh, you'll understand yeah, the quote. Yeah. So the yeah, quote, yeah. Go, you and you ahead. were talking about Good Friday and you were like, you know, um, you know, I know we like to preach. It is finished on Good Friday. We mm -hmm. like to preach good. And here's the quote you say. You said, I want to push back on that. And the, the that was it is finished. You mm -hmm. said, because mm -hmm. it is not finished. And so for mm -hmm. me as a Christian um, mm -hmm. who, who mm -hmm. values the mm -hmm. atonement of Christ, the substitutionary. Mm -hmm. A propitiatory uh work of jesus mm -hmm. i was i was taken aback okay sure, so sure, so sure, why sure. why don't you explain well, what you mean i'll, well, I'll give you that stance first sure. well first of all um i do embrace the atonement now you know there's different the, the different 
the theology of the atonement and and i'm be honest with you and it's probably give you a heart attack please don't let it just pick one you know (laughs) you know and and you know uh, you know but but this is the thing let me explain what i meant by that you go you go you go give me a heart attack man (laughs) what what i meant by that this is what i meant by that okay Uh, yes i believe jesus had an assignment on the cross and yes i believe the assignment was to die for the sins of humanity i I don't so you know i'm I'm sure i'm sure y'all think i'm a heretic and that's fine but i'm not a heretic on that all right (laughs) what i meant by that was this when for me when jesus says it's finished Mm -hmm. that particular assignment is finished for me that's what 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 assignment are you referring to that just that assignment of, of dying for, for humanity, for the sins okay. of humanity. Okay. For me, that's not the only assignment of Jesus. You know, now, now, if you are a finished work person, which I, which I assume you are, finished work would be everything that's, you know, salvation, all that happened on the cross. Right. Then I can understand why you'd be outraged by my statement. But I'm not finished work. Hmm. I'm not a finished work. Um, person so so Mm -hmm. for me um what happens on the cross is 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 really just the beginning you know um, yes that assignment is complete but but when we look at the ministry when we look at what jesus is about um healing the sick um 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 giving sight to the blind you know um uh, what what is jesus first first um First sermon, uh, the sermon spirit on, of the Lord God is the sermon on the mount. The spirit, not the sermon on the mount, even though that's a good one as well. But I really, but I'm thinking Luke four when he says the spirit oh. of the Lord God is upon me for when he's quoting um, Isaiah. And and I want to get into that next, but go finish finish what sure. you're getting to. But what but I what, what I really mean by that is is I think I think it's erroneous. Um. I shouldn't use. Let me not use the word erroneous. I, I'm sure I'm already in trouble with your folk. <laughs> um, but, 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 I think as much as we talk about the sovereignty of God, mm-hmm. and, and talk about God being all powerful and all God being all knowing and God being omnipresent, uh, to suggest that everything that Jesus was meant to do was done on the cross. I just think that limits God. I think it limits Jesus. I I, I really do. To me, it suggests that there's nothing else to be done. And that's so far from the truth, brother. There's a whole, I mean, we are, I I think we're just about in the state of hell right now. So, (laughs) I I mean, there is more, there is much more work to do, is what I'm saying. There's folk to be healed. There's folk to be, you know, now I know the theology, you know, well, once people get saved, that, that, that should happen. Um, it should happen. It should happen, but I'm not sure it always happens. So, so my point is, um, yeah, when I said that, I was just saying, I was challenging this notion. It is finished as if that's it, you know, as if that's all God, that's all, that's all Jesus was sent here to do. There's nothing. I, I mean, it sounds and this may sound almost. Let me not. Let me. Hey, not go you there have the range to be no, let me, open let me, and free let, as you like. Let me, <laughs> let me not go there because I was going to say it almost sound. 
and some people will say this is a false a false a false equivalence and it might be so I, I, I need not go down this rabbit trail but but it, it, it sounds very similar to deism okay and deism says deism says God is the creator God creates the world it's the watchmaker analogy God okay. makes the watch yeah, yeah, yeah. God winds the watch up but then God sets the watch down mm-hmm. and never comes back to yeah. the watch. So so allow me to address that real quick and then we can move sure. to something else. Sure. Uh, a little less hot seatish. But uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the reason why I, I don't think that's uh, deism is because the reason why deism makes that claim is because they don't believe that God is actually involved in human. Exactly. You know, w- exactly. whereas exactly. That's, that's that's very different than what we're saying. We're saying it's finished because God himself has come in, intervolved himself with human interactions and dying on the cross for them. And so th- that's why I think it's uh, totally different than uh, deism. But let, 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 let's move. And, and again, I wasn't completely comparing it to deism, I, I, you know, but but that's my point. OK, is to suggest, you know, is finished. But what is finished? Right. You know, is are we suggesting that there's nothing else for the Lord to do? There's nothing else to be done? You know, so, and so I, I would say and and not in his atonement work i would say no it isn't but let's let's get to because uh the debate between you and and just to remind people uh reverend jermaine marshall was on a debate uh or a discussion i'll call it a discussion with uh owen strawn and it was a lively discussion i do encourage you guys to watch that let's actually listen to reverend jermaine marshall don't just throw bombs before you even start the video actually listen to what he says um and you know show respect you know he's made in the image of god and so I hope that I display that to you today. Um, if if you're watching this video, I want to take the time to tell you, make sure to like this video. Uh, subscribe if you're not subscribed to the channel and stay involved with the work that I'm doing here. Uh, so the debate between you and Owen was essentially over the issue of woke. Uh, and why don't why don't you tell me uh, what you think it means, what you believe it means to be woke? Well, uh, brother, you gonna have to tell me because, it's, <laughs> <laughs> as we talked about in email, I don't see any theological. I, I, to me, it's an ideology, and it's an ideology that's really been around for quite a while. I think it was formulated in 1989. But this is the thing: it's something that's only taught in law schools. Is is not anything that's that's been taught in not, public. Schools. Not not critical race theory, but I'm, I'm saying woke. Because I, I don't I don't I try not to equate uh, critical race theory with uh, mm-hmm. woke. But I, although I think there are some overlap, but I, I want to be resp- I want you to f- allow you to define your own terms. That's what I'm saying. Okay. right and, now. And see, for me, and, and I think I, that's why I shared you an email. You have to find it for me, because mm-hmm. I always from what I've heard from uh, about woke, the woke pastor, the woke church is yeah. this is a pastor who's embraced critical race theory. And, and let me be real. The reason I'm really not I'm really not well versed in it is because I passed in black church. This is really not an issue for us. It's not an issue for, at all for us, mm-hmm. I should say. And I'm, when I say us, I mean the black church. Right. I mean, uh, you know, I, whatever woke means. I mean, we've always been woke. We 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 don't have the luxury of not being woke. Okay, <laughs> so so. 
okay, so this whole wokeness, this wokeness stuff, I don't, I, yeah, I don't have any frame of reference for it because it's not something. And my book is not even about it, and that's I think fair, I, fair and enough. Which is yeah, my book fair is enough. not even about that at so, all. I mean, depending on what it is. So let's uh, let's so you have to tell me. Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> generally, what I hear. You know what? I'll, let's, I'll bring up one of the quotes you said, and we could talk about that rather than sure. things you didn't write about or aren't passionate about. That's fair. Um, at the 49-minute mark, 20 seconds, you say this. Racism is America's original sin. And you say, original sin is a condition that never ends, according to Augustine. And mm-hmm. I've read quite a bit of Augustine, and I'm not familiar of any place that he argues that original sin is um uh, never ending um i would disagree with some of his uh, articulations but but nevertheless i want to get to this point um because it seems if i take your words to its logical conclusion mm-hmm. you're saying that racism never ends because uh, let me let me quote it again okay mm-hmm. racism is america's original sin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you quote augustine um it's a sin. It's a condition. Sorry. It's a condition that condition. never ends. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it's obvious to say racism is America's uh, is, is a state of condition that never ends in America. I, you, I think would you agree with that? I agree with that. Okay. And, 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 and for me, see, Owen. And, and like I said to you before, there was a whole lot I should have said and could have said, didn't, didn't say, cause I was really trying to keep my cool. I think, yeah. um, um, when I say that, I'm talking about systemic racism, structural racism that that has unfortunately is the consequence of that original the original racism in America. He was focused on individual racism, and there are individuals who are racist but but when I talk about um, racism being America's original sin. I'm speaking more of systematic racism that this is this is something that is unfortunately ingrained in 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 our political systems in our social systems in our legal systems even even in our religious system some of them that you know that's what I mean okay. systemic racism structural racism that's what I mean okay. so I'm I'm not even even though I do believe and I said this also. I don't mm-hmm. know if you caught this or not. I said, unfortunately, from what, from at least from my link, from what I can tell from history, it has been a generational curse. Yes, yes, I have that quote and, here. And, um, and, and 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 when I say that, and I meant exactly what I mean. Mm-hmm. But the thing about a generational curse is, a generational curse can end with somebody. Yeah, let me let me quote that. You say <laughs> racism, it is a general curse. The sins of past white generations is the foundation for the sins, the racist sins of present white generations. Mm-hmm. It, but that but, but this is the issue if you know, you claim that it it is a uh, it can end, which I do want to respect, but I'm having trouble uh with what you just said a minute ago about this being a condition that never ends. Can you reconcile those yeah. two statements for me? Sure. Sure, sure, sure. But again, I'm not, and I'm. I lost you some kind of way here. Awesome. I don't know how. Can you still hear me I, though? Can you see me? I can hear you. Can yeah. you see me? I can see you. You, you're, you're great on my oh, end. Wow. <laughs> Sorry about that. I lost you. 
But I can definitely hear you. Okay, I can't good. see you though for some reason. I don't know why. What is going on here? Uh, oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah. I just felt kind of odd. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> uh, but again, for, again, I'm speaking more of systematic structural racism. A race uh, is because for me, racism is a demonic spirit. That's the other disagreement that I think Owen and I certainly have. I think he would agree with that. It's it's demonic. I mean, in one sense, all well, sin is. But see, for me, is is not. When I say demonic, that's something that's beyond just telling a lie. Okay. Now, now of course, somebody can have can be demonically possessed and be a compulsive liar, a habitual liar. You know. <laughs> but but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, for me, there's a difference between. I think all of us, even as Christians. Even if you're sanctified, I think all of us can be demonically influenced if we're not careful. All of us can yield to temptation. But there's a difference between demonic influence and demonic possession. Okay. So let me ask this because, uh, you know, on the topic of racism, Mm -hmm. um, you believe that uh, racism in in regards to uh, systematic racism is still very prevalent in our country for for Mm -hmm. black people. Uh, matter of fact, you had a quote that was, uh, I thought, okay, yeah, here it is. Uh, you quote Delgado, which is a critical race theorist, just for those who mm-hmm. are curious. Sure. Um, you say racism is the normal experience of the people of color. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to ask you this question. Uh, what is your strongest argument for system, for systemic or systematic racism today for people of today? color? Yeah. Sure. Thank you. And because and, I didn't articulate this, I think I was so, because you know how you was just about to fall out your chair when I made some <laughs> statements before? That's really how I was in in debating. Oh, and there was a lot of stuff I could have said. Sure. I should have said back. But I was just so appalled. What's appalling to me is that this is even a question. Hmm. What, and, and, and let me be clear. I'm not suggesting, and I don't know where Owen got it from. And again, I'm not up on this woke stuff, and I, I'm just not up on it. So maybe he knows something I don't I'm sure he knows stuff I don't know. Right. But I've never read anywhere from what I've read from critical race theory, uh, uh, wokeness, which is probably limited now, that that persons are saying that all white people are white supremacists. I, I haven't read that. Well, now, it's um, probably there somewhere. I don't know. But but uh, I, I haven't. I would encourage you to read this. Who She okay. she literally D'Angelo, claims that I actually have that book. She claims so, that racism so, is the air we breathe. And by yeah. we, she means white people. Um, white people. Okay. You know. So anyway, I do have that book, so I need to look into that. But 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 as I said to Owen in our in our dialogue, um, I do believe that there is white privilege. And 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 if you read my book, you would know I'm, white supremacy and white privilege, two different things. But for me, so so even even the dialogue we had, and I'm sure you saw some of my facial expressions and Lord help me. <laughs> Some, some because because of, of 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 what I'm calling white privilege. Now, some people would say, if I got up, if I raised my voice a little bit, if I got upset, and obviously I showed emotion. Um, now, I'm sure some people would conclude, oh, he's an angry black man. I, I'm 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 very positive. I'm sure. All right. Now, if I really if I had said some other stuff, they showed him and said I was an angry black man. But now. 
with what Owen said, and he's very passionate, and I and and I actually respect his passion and his energy. Mm-hmm. So when him saying it, oh, he's just very passionate about what he says. But a black person said, oh, they're angry. Now that's not my best example. Let me give my best example. Okay. Because because Owen made a statement, and I was so appalled by it, I couldn't even. I didn't even know where to begin to respond, to be honest with you. Understandable. So he said white privilege, it would be a tall order to prove that there's white privilege in America. That's what he said. Be tall order to prove that there's white privilege. So my response to that would be this, should have been this, would be this. If you think that's a tall order, ask George Floyd, ask Ahmaud Aubrey. Ags Walter Scott, Ags Eric Gardner, Ags, I mean, the list just goes on, Ags, um, Tony Temper. Yeah, I mean, you know, all of these black men and women, by the way, who have been killed, whether it was at the hands of, of police brutality, whether it was at the hands of white supremacy, whatever the case may be, ask them. You can't ask them because they're dead right and the reason they're dead is because they were black that's why they're dead hold on hold on hold on a second you think george floyd was killed because he was black if brother if if he had not been black Derek chauvin's knee wouldn't have been on his neck with his face to the ground and Derek Chauvin's knee would not have choked the very life out of his body because it never would have been there have you have you have you heard of tony temper no, I haven't. Tony Tempa was uh it's it's ironic if you take Tony Tempa and George Floyd because they're very similar. Um mm-hmm. Tony Tempa happened in Dallas. And guess what? The reason why you don't know about him is because he's not white. <laughs> Funny enough, the reason why nobody knows about Tony Tempa is because he's white. Mm-hmm. If he'd have been a black man, it'd have gone viral. But Tony Tempa was choked out by the police here in Dallas. Uh that's where I'm in the area. Mm-hmm. And you you say if he was white it wouldn't happen. Well, we have evidence of many black white people who, I mean, you, literally parallel situations of every black person you bring up. There's a white person with the same thing. And my conclusion is this. It's not a, a uh, racism issue from the police. I mean, not on the face of it. I mean, it could be for some. I don't know their hearts. But generally, it's a lack of police training. And this is why I believe police don't need to be defunded, but rather funded. Police need to be actually gone through various well, training situations. That's my opinion. Well, That's my uh, standard. Oh, okay. Well, brother, I mean, you look through our history and, and especially today, and maybe the white cases are not getting the coverage. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i thankful. <laughs> I'm thankful for the cell phones. I'm thankful because, honestly, we I, I, without the cell phones, without the video coverage of this stuff, we we wouldn't know as much as we know now. But for me, yeah, it, it white privilege is this. Let, let me give let me give an example of white privilege. White privilege is how a Dylan Roof could go into a church and kill nine worshipers who who didn't just happen to be black. He was there intentionally. Kill nine worshipers. And when he's finally caught, when he's finally caught, he's offered a happy meal. So, so Jermaine, I, I got a very similar situation as well. Again, here in Dallas, where a guy went up in a school and shot four people. 
and he was arre- he was arrested peacefully, and the next day he's out on bond. And so oh, you're talking about this, what happened last week? Yes, yes, I am. Oh, I was praying for that, and I'm so glad <laughs> because I'm gonna tell you something. But he turned himself in with his lawyer, right? No, he I... turned himself in. Yeah, he turned. They didn't catch him. He turned himself in. The, the, okay. the um, black, the black who who went and shot the school because they were bullying him. Right. And I'm gonna tell you, Chris. I'm. This is just me. I was thankful to God because I believe <laughs> Amen. that had they caught had they caught that boy, he'd been dead right now. Yeah. And, and, and I feel or, it's because or more people would have been dead. It's because he's black. Dylan Roof, you you he's caught. He's he's asked for a meal. Let me. Let me get another example. Kyle Rittenhouse okay. comes from uh, an 18-year-old with an AK, some type of military-style we- weapon, comes from another state, comes from Illinois or Wisconsin, shoots up two or three people, well, pro- two protesters and wounds one, surrenders, surrenders with his gun in his hand. The police completely ignores him, surrenders goes back to his home state, turns himself in, and then there's some type of Christian organization, some type of um, Christian, um, some type of website, like a GoFundMe, it's a Christian base, and they raise a half million dollars, 586 million, um, 586, what is it, half a million dollars for him. My opinion, this is, this is, it's the best example of white privilege I can give, all right? I mean, there's a whole lot of examples, but this is the best one. White privilege is is being treated, no matter what the circumstance is, with some humanity. White privilege is is given the benefit of the doubt, no matter what the situation is. White privilege is most of the time living to see another day. So, I mean, that's just the way I see it, I, because, I, you know, I. Maybe I'm not seeing these cases. I'm not seeing these cases you're talking about. So, you yeah, know. Yeah, but, this, but again, I think this actually goes to show how our experiences again, are, how our yeah. experiences are limited and how sometimes we can read into situations. Um, I, and that I, I, I try not to, I try to be careful. Um, has there been cases where I thought uh, racism might have been, might have been a part? Absolutely. I, I'm not claiming that racism doesn't exist. I think you will be a fool to claim that. But as someone brings up in the chat, BLM has raised up literally millions of, of dollars on behalf of uh, all the rioters and, and stuff funded. I mean, you, you literally have black people participate in the street in literal riots. And guess what? No one gets hurt as far as like the police. Uh, so so like, like, like I said, every I, I think a lot of this stuff, you know, when you bring up, there could be legitimate counter arguments to where say, hey, look, it may not be racist. Look at this over here. You know what I'm saying? Well, when you look at Black Lives Matter, there's just as many white people involved in Black Lives Matter as there are black folk, and it's, I mean it's very diverse. Yeah, but and, but, but and, the leaders are and, are black. It is it is yeah, a, yeah of you course. Know. But 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 it is it is it is a it is now they will tell you they are not a, they're not a religious movement. They're a Marxist they're not movement. A spiritual movement. Well, that's I, that's their claim. They yeah, claim I, they know, claim that. But 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 they're not a religious movement. They're not. They don't want anything to do with anybody's church. And so, you know, this whole, and I think I said it on the other day, I don't get this this notion that they're hijacking the gospel. They're not making any theological claims. They're not even trying to be connected to theology here, at all. Here, here's what uh, here's <laughs> what um, Owen means by that, and many people like me who would say that. They have saints, they have martyrs, 
they do have a gospel message and that gospel message is this uh, no justice no peace um until you do meet our demands you, i mean there is no peace with black people or blm leaders there are many parallels that uh blm and social justice folks who who ha uh, articulate um blm's message I, i'm distinguishing social justice people between those who agree with black lives matter for this discu this discussion there are many religious claims that uh black lives matter do make and i think and i know uh, we should be wary of them, let, but let me let me ask you this. Let, let, let I, me. I'm let, not wary of them at all. I mean, I, I'm I mean, grateful for them. <laughs> I mean, so, are, are you okay? Are because, you okay with Marxism? Because, because this is the reality. Um, this is the reality, Chris. There would not have to be a proclamation that Black Lives Matter if historically you you mentioned earlier, and and Owen talks about image bearers in his book. My book shows the theological trajectory of how that has that is not unfortunately that is not what American white Christianity that has not been the message from from the Puritans even for some of them to now. So I mean, you well, know, to be fair, no no people group can look down their history and see perfection. Um, so if if that's going to be but, the but standard, brother, that, that's disingenuous. And and, and Jermaine, I mean, I'm not that, denying that's, racism. That's disingenuous. That's I, just, well, but it's disingenuous though. You know, I mean, nobody's perfect, obviously, but but we're talking about theologies, theologies. We're talking about you said earlier, people using the name of Christ to justify their racism to justify their white supremacy. <laughs> and you have you have black people I, doing that today. I mean I, I mean but but brother I, I'm talking about a systematic I'm, I'm from 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 the inception of this country some some Owen says in his book that's really appalling to me. He says this country wasn't founded on races uh, as a racist society. Yes it was. No. It definitely was. Your founding document, the US Constitution in the Articles of Confederation states that People of color are three eighths of a person, brother. If that well, ain't racist. I don't three know fourths, what it is. But but here's but the issue: I, I, there was I think it's three eighths. There was a development of of slavery that definitely involved a racist issue, but was not necessarily the case. I mean, um, brother, it was it was definitely racism. I, I, I mean, not, it was driven by economics, but it's, I mean, exactly. And even so on, there was even economic on, slavery on, and racist slavery. I, I distinguished. No, you have to be fair. Same. You have to be fair it's with history. Same. Because because there is no no other form of slavery in the history of slavery. And I will say his slavery has been around since the beginning of time. But n there was no other form of slavery in the history of slavery like American race based chattel slavery. What? Like American are, are race you based serious? chattel slavery. Uh, I'm very serious. Are, are you familiar with what uh, the Islamic uh, slavery looked like? Um uh, the Irish being enslaved that, that that's just that's just factually not true historically well, we have to disagree on okay. that because okay. I, I mean even on he goes at lengths to suggest that in his book I mean he talks about the different forms of slavery in the biblical text you know so so I mean so you let, know, let, let me let me move let me let me move to this then so sure because we're talking about racism so mm -hmm. so what's the solution you know how do, how do we how do we get rid of that I think that's the big heart question right sure. how, how do we how do we get rid of it well, I'll say this, um, Chris, 
and I hear your heart. Okay. And and I hear your heart. And you know we on I think two completely weightless theologically. Right. <laughs> two completely different weightless theologically. That's okay though. Um I'll say this. I don't think suggesting in fact I don't it's not even think, it's knowing. I know this. Suggesting that social justice is antithetical to the gospel is not the way. Okay, so what is like a, a, a positive proclamation? <laughs> you know I, what I mean? mean that, that, now, in my book, I suggest um, what 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 one scholar calls decolonial love. All right, and 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 I'm a Wesleyan, and so as a Wesleyan, for me, sanctification, holiness is having perfect love of God and perfect love of your neighbor. All right. You don't necessarily like your neighbor, but you have to have perfect love of God. Who could say that? Perfect love of your neighbor. Who could, who could say they have that? Well, I mean, if you love your name, if you love God, with your, with, with, with your, uh, with your, what the scripture say, Heart. love the Lord, your God with all your mind, your, your, your soul, your, you know, you know the text. Right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it can be done. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, perfectly. It can be done. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't think I, I mean, us, only Christ does that. Do that. Striving for perfection. Though. I mean, Christ even says, "Be ye perfect as I am perfect. Be ye holy as I'm holy." Now, I'm not suggesting anybody's going to be perfect, but we should be striving. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I mean, Paul talks about that, and and y'all think I hate Paul. Paul talks about that. <laughs> saying, I, think, I, I did not say. I that. think you just devalue Paul. I think th- that's well, what I would. That's what well, I would say. Just that's, that's better than hating. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> I just like the word tolerate. I, okay. That's all, all right. I'm saying. You know. But but I don't hate Paul. But I so, just so like I, I said, I, I'm suspicious with him. But but he says even he says, um, not that I've arrived, but I press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. In other words, I'm striving. And so, and so, and so for me, when you have love of God and love of neighbor, and, and, that, and that's the problem. See, the problem with racism is there's only certain people who are my neighbor. I don't consider everybody my neighbor. And, and if I don't consider them fully human, I'm certainly not going to sit, I certainly don't consider them my neighbor. All right. Let, let, so, let me ask you this, and if you have a lot of time, maybe we can do like a short, uh, some people sure. can ask some questions. So if you have questions, oh, oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll only, hey, how about this, Jermaine, uh, Reverend Jermaine, I'll only pick the ones that are uh, trying to be fair and kind, okay? So guys, phrase your question in a good manner, good faith manner. <laughs> but, Chris, I'm good. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm hey, send them in me then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm good. I, you know, I, this is the this is the this is my question. I want to ask, uh, and I, I'm I'm changing my tone because it is a uh, one I care about. Um, what do you believe the gospel is articulated in scripture? As articulated in scripture, sure. So for me, um, for me, I find the gospel of Jesus Christ in the life ministry and teachings of Jesus that we find in the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Mark, uh, Mark, Luke, and John. Now that's not to suggest that I dismiss the rest of it because I don't, 
I, I really don't. Okay. Um, but, um, I'll get an example. We talked about it a little earlier and, and this is a point you and I disagree on, you know, Paul saying women shouldn't speak, should be silent and, 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 and shouldn't speak. I just don't, that's not the gospel to me. I, I mean, I'll use the analogy. One of our bishops in agree. my denomination, it, well, I know you said it early, but let me, let me give a biblical analogy from, and this is something, this is, this not, this does not originate with me. One of our bishops, retired bishops in my denomination, CME church, the Christian Methodist physical church. That's my denomination. His name is Bishop Otha Lake. This is what he would say. Um, if, if God, and we know God diggers is in the script where well, we believe the scripture. So it's in there. Uh, cause y'all probably think I don't, uh, <laughs> But, but he says it like this. If God could speak to Moses from a burning bush, if God could speak to Balaam from a donkey, if God could speak to Job in the midst of a whirlwind, if God could speak through a rooster and Peter remember the words of Jesus certainly God can speak to a woman and, and when I say speak I mean preaching okay I mean you oh, know sure. uh, <laughs> I mean you know you know so so yeah for me that's that's not the gospel so so I because I, I'm, I'm not sure what you believe the gospel is what what do you believe the the good news is. I, I'm, I'm, I fully, I know y'all think I'm a complete heretic, but I fully affirm the charisma that that Jesus was born, Jesus lived, Jesus did, had an earthly ministry, that Jesus was crucified, dead, buried, resurrected on the third day. I fully affirm that. Right. To me, that's the charisma. That is the gospel, you know. Right. Um. So I mean, I I think we agree on that, brother. Now we may we may have some, like I said, I know there's about ten. Y'all just told me, pick one. I know you about lost your mind when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> there really is. All right, so like twelve different ones, you know. But yeah, yeah. To me, that's the gospel. I'm not. I, I you know, I know I'm the new boogie man, but I, I mean. <laughs> but yeah, the isn't that the charisma? Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. Yeah. That is the yeah. gospel yeah. simplified. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. so let me get into some of these questions, and hopefully, we can do like a mm -hmm. quick, fast. Like round. I'm good, man. All right, so, so I'm good. So first question, you know. I already know the answer to this, but someone asked. It says, "Do you believe the scripture is inerrant?" Um, I have issues with 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 you know, yeah, yeah. I have issues with Hodge. That's Charles Hodge. I I do have issues with with that with that doctrine. Uh, as I said earlier, I certainly believe in inspiration, but not inerrant. Okay. Not not inerrant. Yeah. Uh, someone asked, "Do you believe Jesus is God?" I do. Okay. All right. Um, someone asked, can you be convinced that your position is wrong? Sure, as much as they can be. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Sure. I'm, I mean, I think, you know, I'm not, yeah. Someone says, why do you accept the Old Testament text but tolerate Paul? I never said that I, uh, I never said that. I don't, I don't know. Um, where that person may be getting that from. I mean, I'm I'm just as suspicious of some Old Testament texts as I am of all. Okay. Be honest with you. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm 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 suspicious of this notion that Moses wrote all wrote wrote the first five books of the Bible completely. 
right. you know, because yeah. Moses, if you look at, was it Deuteronomy? It gives details about where Moses is buried at. You know, it gives detail, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I don't want to get into the documented hypotheses. Lord have mercy. Y- y'all sure put me off here. <laughs> All right. So, let's, so, so yeah, so it's so, not just Paul. Someone, it's not just Paul. Someone asked, what does it mean to decolonize something? That's a loaded question. Good question. Very loaded. <laughs> to decolonize means to deal with re, deal with the the reality of imperialism and colonization that has occurred historically, and unfortunately, our under a lot of understandings, even Christian understandings has grown out of that colonialism and, and let's be clear when 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 european all of the all of the countries involved in the atlantic triangular slave trade were european countries all right the portuguese the spanish the english the french these were european christian countries and and the way they justify or at least attempted to justify the enslavement of africans was they said that God had given, they called it the white man's burden. God had given given them the white man's burden to Christianize and civilize these otherwise barbaric heathens on the continent of Africa, which I just find fascinating because Africa is the continent where the world first saw the light. Africa is the mother of humanity and civil, and I'm not making this up, this is archaeological evidence, you know, so, so it's the mother of humanity, it's mother of civilization, it's the mother of religion, and, and so the continent of Africa is anyway, and, and so this, 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 this scheme of of colonization occurred because Europeans believed that God had given them the burden to Christianize and civilize. Now, the interesting thing is, if you know anything about Tertullian, if you know anything about Augustine, if you know anything about origin of Alexandria, Clement of Alexandria, um, Christianity was already in Africa. <laughs> okay, so I, I mean, you know, these are Africans. Okay, all those names, I, those are Africans. Early church fathers, most of them were African. All right. All right so, 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 let, so, so, so let me okay, finish. So, so. What they, what the enslavers ran into, they had is what my mentor would call a theological catch twenty-two, because because English church canon law, church law said said a Christian could not enslave another Christian. Now, what made you a Christian was not your profession of faith. What made you a Christian was that you were baptized, and so really for the hundred, the first hundred and fifty years of American slavery. Most slave holders would not even allow, I'm going to say it like this, conversion to white American Christianity because they realized that their law said that a, that a Christian could not enslave another Christian. And then and, and, and so the way they resolved it was they said, well, well, if you become if, if we convert you to European Christianity, uh, your soul is saved, but not your body. It's your soul, but not your body. All right. So, so someone asks, yeah. is Jesus the only way to heaven? 
<laughs> oh Lord have mercy. Oh. Um, I believe you, you. Yeah, I believe you must accept Christ as your Lord and Savior to enter into the kingdom of God. Yeah, I, I, that's, I believe that. What, yeah. What hap- I mean, what I, happens I mean, to I'm, what happens to those who don't uh, repent and believe in Jesus? Well, I mean, I think that's. I, I think that's relative, and that, that that may get me in trouble with y'all. But what do you do with someone who's never been introduced to Jesus? Tell them about Jesus. Is, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying they, I'm saying you you die, and you've never you've never had any encounter. You've never been introduced to Jesus. I mean, how 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 do you? I mean, what do you do with that? I think I, according I, to the I, I Bible. I would be hard pressed to say that person is going to hell if they never was introduced to Jesus. So Jesus isn't the only way to heaven. I didn't say that. Oh, I, I thought you did. I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I did not say that. I said, I said, I believe there's some exceptions. You accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I, but I did ask a counter question to that, to that question. And my counter question is, yes, even with that, what do you do with people who has never known Christ? Now, now, now I know what the what the response probably would be. What there at some point somebody's gonna know about Christ in their life. Somebody's gonna be introduced to Jesus. How do we know that? No, I would say what the Bible says is unless they repent, they'll perish. I mean, that's my answer. I mean, unless unless they believe, how will they be? How shall they be saved? You know, someone asked, why did Jesus die and rise again? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, we know why he died to die, die for humanity, and I would say he rose again because he is God. Uh, Jesus is God, and 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 it was fulfillment of what had been prophesied. Okay. I mean, you know. Okay. I mean that goes back to Isaiah, I think. Someone says, um, "Do you believe in the Trinity?" I'm very trinitarian. Okay. Yes. Okay. Just, I said hey, Jesus is God. Just, just so, ask me. Hey. I'm very Someone wants to yes. know what is the source? Hold on, let me find this again. Uh Sorry about. What is the source for the law? Which law? Are we I'm guessing they're meaning like morality. What is the source for your morality? That's an interesting question. Um well, one, I would distinguish spirituality from morality, because I think there are persons, um, y'all want to talk about heaven and hell, I think there are people who, who are probably very moral and probably still going to hell. <laughs> so, so Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, I don't know how to answer that question. I mean... I, I, I mean, that's an interesting question. What's the source of my morality? I can um, answer it. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, the spirit of God is the source of my morality. <laughs> I mean, I guess they they want to, they want to see if I'm gonna say the Bible is or the Bible is not. I, I think mean, I think so. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm gonna again. I'm a sanctified. Now you may not think I'm sanctified, but I'm a sanctified, <laughs> justified, sanctified believer who lives my life by the Spirit of God. 
And right. so, I mean, I mean, I think the scripture would definitely inform that. So, I'm, I'm gonna ask you one question, and I'll I'll end it for sure. you. Uh, sure. If scripture is errant, how do you know it's from God? Well, for me, again, um, when I'm interpreting script, when I look at scripture, when I'm reading scripture, uh, doing you know hermeneutical work, whether it's for preaching, whether it's for teaching, or just for personal. Uh, enrichment or just for spiritual formation, whatever the case may be, I'm always I'm always praying and asking the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me in my study. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, but for how, me, how, how, oh, okay, go ahead, go ahead. And so for me, uh, I just believe every Christian should have this is Jermaine Marshall's theology should have the should have the gift of discernment, should have the spirit of discernment. And so for me, I just act. God to guide me and lead me, but but I'll be also on. I mean, I have to have I have to have integrity about this as well. Um, there's a certain certain hermeneutic I use as well. Um, when when I'm looking at a text, you know, I just don't read what's on the words on the paper. I mean, and I just don't read take one verse and hadn't read the chapter before and the chapter following. Um, I, I mean, you know, I'm. You know, I'm going behind the text, which means I'm looking at the history of the text. I'm, I'm looking at the context. You know, for example, we've talked about Paul earlier. Now, you all may disagree with me on this, and that's fine. But when Paul is writing, when Paul, particularly First Thessalonians, but not just even first, we talked about First Corinthians seven. Paul really tells them widow women and them virgins they need to stay virgins and don't get married. Uh, because he believes Jesus is going to return soon. He believed Jesus was going to return in his lifetime. He believed that they were living in the last days. So, so I'm, I'm, yeah. so, so let me, let me, I guess, make it more practical. Uh, mm-hmm. Common verse: Christians love and behold. No matter how you mm-hmm. uh, uh, interpret the word "world" here in John three sixteen, how do you know? God actually loves the world. Given your your belief is that scripture is errant. How did you how do you come to accept anything as objectively true? Mm-hmm. I believe God is love. I mean, that's not just for me. That's not just a scriptural thing. That's just. So, how, so how'd you come to I mean, how'd you come to believe and know that? Well, I was just in the scriptures, but, but, but it's not, but it's not just, it's you said not it's just a scriptural thing, but it's not just a scriptural thing. All right. It's not just a scriptural thing for me. Uh, you know, if you have a relationship with God and, and that's the other thing, I think, I think my source is someone asked earlier, what was my source of morality? The greater question here is what is my theological source? Yeah. And for me, scripture is my primary source. But it's not my only source. What other source? I experience. Now I know you all have complete. Have complete I know you have definitely had issues with that. But for me, my my experiences with God, my relationship with God, my history with God, is <laughs> is not just the scriptures that inform how I know God. It's because of my relationship with God, what? and because of my relationship with God, you know, I know God is love. You know, uh, so what do you do with the atheist who says experientially, I don't I don't believe there is a God because. 
how do you determine well, those two experiences well, and come well, to for, truth? For, well, for atheists, you know, God bless them. Um, <laughs> this is the thing, um, Chris, and I may you may disagree with me on this, and that's perfectly fine. Everybody believes in something. Everybody lives their life by faith. I, I mean, how many of y'all get on a plane, and when you get on the plane, you go to the cockpit to make sure the pilot has a has has a autopilot license? You know, how many of you go to the doctor and 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 you check to see, unless you like me, because I actually do research my doctors, but 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 you believe whether it's the the, the nurse practitioner, whoever it is, if a person come in there with a white coat on, they could have got from the Dollar Tree or come with some type of medical equipment around their neck. You believe they're supposed to be there and they know what they're doing. But do you really know? So my point is, even the atheists, they believe. Now, I'm not. Now, they say they don't believe in God. God, God help them. But they believe in something. So so, so someone yeah, someone brought this something. someone brought this out is you have two errant subjective sources the scripture and your experience but how how do those two errant sources bring you to objective truth i i get those are your 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 uh your you know your authorities or your your uh mm -hmm. ways to know god but how do errant sources two of them that you present or three because you said history as well how do those three errant sources bring you to know god objectively and not just subjectively Well, again, for me, I mean, my experience is, I mean, if I experienced it, it's the truth. So, <laughs> I mean, if, so, but if, is it if objective? I if, I, if I experience God healing my body, that's true for me. I mean, it may not be true for anybody else, but it's true for me. I experienced it. But So for me, that's, for me, that's objective. That's subjective enough. I don't, you know, so, I mean, you know, I don't need God to come down like, like when I was called to preach, when I was called to preach. God didn't come down with two tablets like Moses down off the mountain, you know, <laughs> you know, Mount Sinai was it Mount Sinai. We got the Ten Commandments. It didn't come like that. <laughs> but I know God called me. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I'll say it like this, Chris, I think. And it's and again, because I'm not into I teach this stuff, I do teach it. And 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 and, and I know I'm, I'm the new boogeyman. But when I teach Charles Hodge, I teach plenary, was it plenary of um, plenary? That's the doctrine. I teach historical theology. So it ain't about what I believe or don't believe. I'm giving my students what it is. I Just like I teach, um, um, you know, Charles Hodge's plenary inspiration. I also teach open theology, open, open, um, open theism, because it's a theology. Now, whether or not students have to choose whether or not they agree with it or not, that's not my goal, you know, because now in my church, that's a different story. But when I'm in the classroom, I'm teaching, you know, what the history of the Christian church. I'm teaching what theologies have developed over time. Now, whether or not I agree with the theology or not, that's beside the point. In the classroom, it is to be objective. Now, in my church, that's a different story. Yeah. So, so, so I guess what I'm saying is... Um, Um, and I get it, your, you all's tradition, I understand, but I don't, I don't think of, I don't overthink inerrant or errant sources. I guess for me, that's overthinking it. <laughs> I, and I know that I'm not trying to disrespect your tradition, but you know, it, you know, for me, again, I live my life 
and 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 through the discernment of God by the Holy Spirit and yes that's definitely informed by the scriptures um which is my primary um source of theology but it's not my only source i mean experience um even even tradition yes so yes, so you would you, you would reject sola scriptura obviously scripture alone yeah oh lord you you get me into a, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well i'm i'm not roman catholic obviously right <laughs> But but I am a Methodist. I am Methodist. I'm Wesleyan, and so for us, mm-hmm. uh, now some some Wesleyans would say this was this wasn't Wesley's uh, um, theological methodology. But most most Wesleyans would say Scripture, which is primary, but also tradition, also experience, and also reason. Right. And I, yeah, I do yeah, believe the, reason. The three, I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's going to get me in trouble, but that's all right. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, well, well, Jermaine, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll wrap it up here with you. I, I do appreciate you even willing to come on and, and oh, talk sure, with me. Sure. And Lord willing, we can stay in contact and, definitely, and, and definitely. keep engaging. I, I thought this was uh, fun, you know, so. It was. I, I, I Just like you, I think you think it's called All Things Theological. Me too, brother. I love theology. And we may be on two different ends of the spectrum, but, man, I enjoy talking to you. Thank you. And, um and and uh, yeah, Owen won that debate. I, hands down, <laughs> he, I weighed the white flag, but it's not that I think he won because I agree with what he was saying. That's not what uh, that he proved me wrong or anything like that. But I think he's just a great debater. I mean, and I took debate in high school, but I, you know, this was a much. This was, I think, I had calmed down a little bit because I was just appalled by the fact that. This is even a question whether there's white privilege. This is a question. What? But anyway, yeah. um, but but I, I calmed down, so we were able to talk about it good. But, yeah. but I want to thank you, appreciate you so much for even reaching out to me, um, even being interested in what I think. I think a lot of times what happens is um, people end up getting condemned erroneously because they're not doing what you have done. And I thank you for also, I didn't feel like I was being baited here. I didn't, feel, I didn't feel like, you know, we're going to get the boogeyman in here and, and, and we're going to shoot him down. I didn't feel that way. And it's really felt like a, a, a safe space. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, I well, well, I appreciate it, man. And like I said, if you ever want to talk more about theology or, you know, uh, well, likewise. social issues, we can we can have yeah. a yeah. have another discussion. So I appreciate you, Jermaine. Yeah. Appreciate you too, Chris. All thank right. you, and thank you, audience. And I promise you, I'm not the boogeyman. <laughs> <laughs> well, God bless. All right, enjoy your night. You too, brother. What are your thoughts, guys? Uh, what are your, what are y'all thoughts? That was a interesting conversation. Uh, some people I know, I see, I saw them commenting saying, you know, I was just being too nice. I mean, I definitely um provided pushback um i disagreed uh vigorously on many things um i i was trying to be charitable and kind even even um people i think are false teachers doesn't give you the right to be rude to them or be a jerk or i I don't know so but i still think i was uh firm with him i didn't say anything that was lie uh, a lie um but man if you're if you're watching right now what i want you to do is uh like like this video uh subscribe to the channel if you're not um and last but not least man pray for pray for jermaine um jermaine does not know the gospel of jesus christ um his authority is not god 
And I mean, he he let it be known. I didn't I didn't provide too much pushback there because this I mean, he let it be known. It's not it's not God. And man, there are points where I almost wanted to to weep for him. Right. But I'm like, I'm not going to I'm not going to pull a uh, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Howard <laughs> cry online. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I try to have a calm demeanor, uh, respectful demeanor. He's he's also older than me. And so I want to remember that. And, and having conversations um i i mean he was very aware that i think his position is heretical we we exchanged emails and um i i didn't i didn't shy away i told him hey i disagree with you i think you, there's some troubling views and but man i i hope you guys um enjoy the conversation you guys learn some things um at, at very least if you didn't learn anything um theological you learned hey how to have a uh, passionate disagreement to the t but yet still respect still uh love your neighbor and so i hope i modeled that for for everyone watching um yeah i know not everybody will like what i do that's that's fine but um I, I want to uh, teach people how to, how to how to model that correctly, but also some of the theological claims he was making. Um, I do plan. on. So if you're interested in more content like this, definitely subscribe because. Um, yeah, man, he, he kind of had a hard time displaying the gospel like, man, that's a hard question. No, it, no, it's not. That's that's Bible 101. I do want to review the debate he had with Owen Strawn and go deeper into my disagreement. It kind of explains some of the things I think you saw when I asked him for the most, um, um, you know, biggest proof of systemic racism. I mean, he couldn't. He was just like, I mean, how can people not believe in white privilege? And it's just assumed a lot of these woke uh, uh, talking points are just assumed. And if you don't disagree with it, then, you know, he didn't he didn't call me any names. So I so I, I'm very uh, thankful about that. But um, it, you just have to assume woke theology. You know, and, you know, when he brought up the cops, you know, and I, I provided evidence like, hey, wh but what about this? And it was just like, well, I'm not aware. <laughs> I know, <laughs> you know, and so, um, man, hopefully, man, this video will will go and go around and people will be encouraged. People are blessed. We're, we're at about an hour and a half right now. Like I said, um, subscribe if you want to see more content. The podcast is all things theology. There's some resources in the description below. Check them out. Follow me on Twitter. That stuff is below. Uh, follow the Facebook page. All that's below, man. Just check out the content and hopefully you guys will be blessed. Um, man, I was I was pleased to do this tonight um, and just provide a model. Uh, challenge him to think about some of these things when it comes to ultimate authority. You know, if you have an inerrant source, you can't claim that <laughs> you can't claim, you know, it's, you know, when I challenged him, how do you know love thy neighbor is from God? Well, it's, it's just my fundamental belief. And it's like, well, so says the Mormon. So says the uh, the Muslim. What separates you from them? Because we let, let me say this, guys. We have an objective God breathe word. To where we can stand on and say, thus saith the Lord. He has spoken. Love your neighbor. Hate sin. Proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. He called that colonialism. Proclaim the gospel in hopes that it would change 
the neighbor, that he would save them, put them in right standing with God. He would justify them and that would have peace with God. They would no longer be a racist if they are. Sorry, I'm preaching, but I am, I'm, 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 I'm very passionate about this. I'm, I'm, I am, I am, as, as Steve Lawson says, not only dogmatic, I'm bulldogmatic on these things. And, and by the grace of God, I'll never waver. I'll never waver. Um, and so, man, I'm, I'm about to tear up y'all. Uh, so <laughs> I'm about to end this video. So guys, thank you guys for watching. May you guys be blessed. May you guys stay for future content. Grace and peace.